you do, ladies and gentlemen? This is The Riley and Kimmy Show. The Riley and Kimmy Show. And welcome to a Wednesday, a way back Wednesday, episode number 1,261. In case you're listening the day it's uploaded, and you forgot the day, it is May 31st. Right next to me is... Jimmy! I got one name! Jimmy! Hello, everybody! Hello, everybody! <laughs> Hi there. I am your host, Patrick Riley. I am the villain of the story. That is true. And right next to me is Kimmy. She's great. That's right, she is strange, and that is Kimmy, and that's the way we like it. Hello, Kimmy. Hello. And it is a Wednesday, and what is a Wednesday in the world of nerdum? New comic books and products. That's right, brand new stuff at comic book stores throughout the country, and you can find that list of what's new, the new product, you know, t-shirts, so what comic Statues, books. Statues, yes, toys. Trade paperbacks, graphic novels. You can find that entire list right on our website. The Nerd News section is a place to go to. We have that list available for you. And please check out a comic book store this week. If you haven't been to one, especially in a long time, or maybe not at all. Matter of fact, Kimmy was just recently talking to somebody who has never been in a comic book store, right? Mm-hmm. They, they were like, is there much in them? And you, you had to educate them about oh, com- yeah. comic yeah. book stores. Yeah. So check out the comic book store in your area, and you can find one in your area by going to our comic book shop locator available right on our website. And what is our web address, Kimmy? RileyandKimmy.com. And right at RileyandKimmy.com, you can find archived episodes. All our episodes are available right there. Also, celebrity interviews, video interviews, photos, and nerd news, and nerd links, and so much more, including social media links. Please follow us on multiple social media platforms. We follow back, help the show grow, and like our Facebook page. And if you can, uh, you know, pass it along, share it with friends, and encourage them to like the show, we would deeply appreciate it. Tell them you found a place that offers daily nerd talk, a pop culture variety talk show that's Unlike any other. We don't focus on just one subject matter at all. Matter of fact, we also like to maybe do a little bit of a focus, but that's on the world of yesteryear, nostalgia, retro things, but also with current items too. So if you're looking for variety, looking for fun, that's what we offer. Tell your friends about us. That's the Riley and Kimmy Show. And what's that web address again, Kimmy? RileyandKimmy.com it's a way back Wednesday, I guarantee we will go back in time here on this episode of the Riley and Kimmy Show. Stick with us for the entire thing because, oh, in just a little bit, we will really go back in time for a way back Wednesday. My question for you, Kimmy, is would you like to play nerd and pop culture trivia today? Yes, let's do it. It is a Wednesday, May 31st. Kimmy, you know what that means? It means uh, another month is just around the corner. Yeah. Yeah, get ready to flip the calendar over. You'll have to flip Esther on the uh, refrigerator. We have the Esther the Pig calendar. The Esther wonder- the Wonder Pig. Yes. The I can't forget the Wonder. She is a, a Wonder. Yes, Esther the Wonder Pig. 
calendar right on the uh, on the refrigerator, and Kimmy will have to flip it over to the next installment, the next month of Esther, just around the corner. But right now, we are still in the month of May, and we'll be asking Kimmy some questions from the trivia timeline. Now, the timeline has been adjusted. It is not in chronological order, not linear. Feel free to shout out answers to Kimmy. Yell at whatever listening device you are sampling the Riley and Kimmy show on right now. And it could be many things because we are mobile. We are global. You can take us anywhere on planet Earth. I guarantee that part. You can take us to work, lunch, dinner. Take us home. Take us to school. Take us wherever. That's right. The Riley and Kimmy show is definitely mobile. Getting ready to ask Kimmy the very first question on the nerd timeline. That's or from it. That's exactly where we are going. Now, Kimmy, this one's kind of a history question, but it, uh, it, it it's something that is still part of today. It was on this date in history. The first motorized taxis arrived in America. There was a city in America that, that decided to go taxis with, you know, motor motorized and that was New York was the very first one, New York City. What year did this happen within 20 years? Um, 1910? You got it within 20. Matter of fact, you got it within three. It was 1907 that that happened. It was on this date in 1859 in London. Big Ben went into operation. What is Big Ben? It's a clock. Yeah, okay. i making sure you paid attention to things. It was on this date in 1870. Asphalt was patented. Yes, somebody actually passed, you know, patented asphalt. Okay. I know that. See, that's important stuff to know. You know, asphalt being patented, you got to know that, right? Mm -hmm. 1870. It was on this date in 1879. Madison Square Garden opens in New York. We will not ask Kimmy who the garden is actually named after unless she wants to take that that challenge. Does Kimmy want to take that challenge? Who the Madison Square Garden is named after? Yes or no? Um, Dolly Madison or President? Which is it, Kimmy? Is it Dolly Madison? Oh, let's go Dolly. You shouldn't have done that, Kimmy. It was James Madison, the fourth president of the United States, that Madison Square Garden is named for 1879 is when it opens. It was 1884. Dr. John Harvey Kellogg patents flaked cereal, Kimmy. Yeah, flaky cereal, actually flaked cereal. Mm. That was in 1884. It was on his date in 1929 in Massachusetts. The first born reindeer was born. The first born reindeer? Yes, in the United States. Oh. They weren't born before that in the U.S., Oh. Yeah, but the first one born in the United States was in 1929. You know, Santa has to hmm. get some for the farm team. Uh-huh. You know, he can recruit from the U.S. now. Well, he could in 1929 on. It was on his date in 1941, the first issue of Parade. The weekly picture newspaper went on sale. Do they still publish that thing? I think they do. As, I don't know. Like part of inserts with newspapers nowadays? I, I mean, way back it was yeah, an independent maybe. thing. I haven't had a newspaper in a while. Um, neither have I. It was on his date in 1949. Charlie Lepica begins a stay, not just a small stay, but a really big stay. He begins to stay on a four-foot square platform atop a 60-foot pole. Now, he does this in 1949, vowing to stay until the Indians clinch the pennant. Question for you, Kimmy, is 
do the Indians clinch the pennant in 1949? Um, yeah? No. No. Uh-oh. Uh, how many days does Charlie stay up on the pole on his four-foot square platform? Two. Charlie stays up on the pole for 117 days. Oh, my gosh. That's crazy. I'm wondering, Kimmy, if perhaps you would like to be on the 60-foot pole no. with a four-foot square no. platform. No. I, I can arrange that, no. I'm sure. You sure you wouldn't like to do that? I'm sure. 100 and you, you could beat it. 118 days. I, I have confidence in you. Mm. 118, I think. You know, that is kind of crazy, especially when you think about the time period, 1949. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, uh, yeah. Okay. Moving over to something else happening on this date in history is 1956. This person was inspired to write this song after he saw the John Wayne movie, The Searchers. I don't think you've ever seen The Searchers, have you? I don't think so. Okay. that's It's a fantastic movie. Uh, Jeffrey Hunter, who would eventually play Captain Pike on... The uh, first Star Trek pilot is in it, and John Wayne, of course. Well, tell me who the person is who was inspired by that movie to record this song. Buddy Holly. That's right. Now I, I've, you know, I've seen that movie many times, but I don't know how it inspired him. But to be honest. Whatever. Okay, moving over to something else happening on this date in history. Impossible music question for Kimmy. Please shout out the answer to her. This one's going to be very tough for her. Kimmy, this musical group appeared on the Ed Sullivan Show for the very first time. The year is 1964. They had some music in the top ten right at that time period. Here is one of their singles that was in the top ten when they appeared on Ed Sullivan. Tell me who they are. Song is Glad All Over, number six from 1964. April's when it peaked in 1964. What's the name of the group? I don't know. Ooh, one more. No, it's not I don't know. Here's one more clue. Number four hit from April 1964. Can you tell me the name of that recording group that was on the Ed Sullivan Show and had bits and pieces, a number four hit? I still don't know. Oh, the Dave Clark Five. Remember them? Have you ever heard of them? Um, yeah. Sure. You never listened to any of the oldie stations I worked at. We're now really finding that to be true. Kimmy, it was 1969. This person had a song that peaks at number eight on the Billboard Hot 100. Now, by stating that, that means it's a pretty big hit, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Identify the recording artist who had that big hit, that number eight hit, in 1969 on this date. Here is your clue. Get it, get it, get it, get it out! Guitarzan, he's a guitarman, he's all you can stand, give him a hand, Guitarzan!
1969, number eight hit. For whom, Kimmy? I don't know. All right, I'll give you an extra clue. A few years later, he would have a big hit again, and it would be called The Streak. Who is it? I don't know. It's Ray Stevens. You don't remember Ray Stevens? He used to mm, he used yeah, to put kinda. his you know, his commercials used to be on TV, you know, Boxcar Willie, Ray Stevens, mm. you know, and uh Zamfir, Slim Whitman. Mm-hmm. They were all in a, like a set, you know, you could you could order. By the way, I do have Ray Stevens' gift oh, cards that on MP3. I'm sure you I, do. I, I, I can't wait to play that on a road trip for you soon. It was on his date in 1976. This band played in England and made the Guinness Book of World's Records. Now, they became listed as the loudest rock band in the world ever. Their set measured 76,000 watts and 120 decibels. That's 1976. Tell me, the name of the band and some of the members would suffer hearing loss. The who? That's correct. 1976, they ended up in the Guinness Book of World's Records. It was on his date 1977 in the United Kingdom. The Sex Pistols single God Save the Queen was banned by the BBC and Independent Broadcasting Authority. They just didn't appreciate that song it was on his date in 1977 the trans alaska oil pipeline was finished after three years of construction it was on his date in 1980 this song hits the charts at its highest position kimmy identify the name of the song and the recording group here is your audio clue Kimmy, tell me the name of that song. Love Stinks. Love Stinks. Love Stinks. Kimmy is correct on the title. Now, the moment of truth. Tell me the name of the recording group. The Jay Giles Band. That's correct. Now, Kimmy, 1980 is a year. Now, how high did that song reach on the charts? It peaked on this date in 1980. Within five, how high did it get on the Hot 100? Number eight. It reached. It peaked. Its top mark was number 38. Mm. In 1980, that is the Jay Giles Band. Moving over to somebody else, Kimmy, this person in 1998 broke away or announced, actually, that she was leaving the group that she, well, became famous for. She decided to go off on her own, go solo. Here's her first solo single. Tell me who the person is in 1998 on this date said, I'm leaving the group and tell me the group she was part of. Good looking, bad tasting, full bodied, butt wasted, loose living, tight fitting, what you see ain't what you are getting. Big makeup, little breakup, she wants it, he's got it. Jimmy, who is that? Um, that is Jerry Holloway. 
ooh, you're close on the um, name. I, I'll accept it's Hallowell. Hallowell. Now tell me the name of the band she walked away from. Spice Girls. And tell me the name of her, uh, well, her character. Um, which which one was she? She was, let's see, not scary, not baby, not posh. She has red hair, if that helps. Ginger. Yes, it's Ginger Spice. That's Jerry Hollowell announced she was leaving the group. 1998. Moving over to celebrity birthdays. Walt Whitman, born on this date, 1819, died 1892. What is he famous for? What occupation, Kimmy? Who's it? Thank you for paying attention to the Riley and Kimmy show. I'm still thinking about the Spice Girls. Really? I didn't know you were into the Spice Girls. Eh, I like the Spice Girls. Yes, so, so do I. Okay. Celebrity birthdays. Uh-huh. Moving back. Here we go. Repeat. Pay attention here. Uh-huh. Walt Whitman, born on this date, 1819, died 1892 at the age of 72. What occupation? Poet? Yeah, yeah I'm, you got it before I finish. Yes, poet. That's what he's known for. Moving over to somebody else, born on this date, Fred Allen, 1894. Died 1956 at the age of 61, an American comedian, but mostly known for being a radio star. The Fred Allen Show ran from 1932 till 1949, and it made him one of the most popular of the golden age of radio. His best bit, his best remembered gag, was his long-running fake feud with his friend and fellow comedian Jack Benny. They They did something brilliant that would influence others over the course of time. They had this mock rivalry going. Where they would actually, what they were doing is they were cross-promoting each other, each mm. other's shows. Because people would go, hey, I wonder what Jack Benny's going to say about Fred Allen now. Well, they would then go sample that one show. And then Benny would say his thing and they go, I wonder what Fred Allen's going to say. It was brilliant. Mm. And Fred Allen was extremely important in the world of pop culture. You can find some cartoons that make reference to him in the 1940s. Matter of fact, he makes it to comic books. In Action Comics number 50 from July 1942... Superman says, quote, Fred Allen would get a kick out of this, unquote, as he hops on the side of a moving train. So Allen was in a lot of places, not just radio. Very important. And he influenced many, including Stan Freeberg, Johnny Carson, just to name a few that he did influence. (laughs) Other person big in radio, Kimmy. Matter of fact, his voice was probably number two at a time in recognition and being sought after. To Orson Welles in the golden age of radio, he did uh, countless radio programs, did countless films, too. He was definitely a movie star. He had the looks, but he also had the voice. That is Donna Michi, born on this date, 1908, died 1993 at the age of 85. Now, he would win the Academy Award for Best Supporting Actor for his performance in what movie? Can you tell me, Kimmy? It wasn't till many years later. Matter of fact... Towards the end of his career. Mm, um, I'll give you the year. It's the Ron Howard movie, right? The year is 1985. Yeah. What was the name of that movie? It deals with a retirement community. Mm-hmm. Sort of. In a sci-fi twist to it. Yeah. I've never seen it. Brian sh- Dennehy is in it. I've never seen it. I should see it. You've um, oh, never seen this movie? I know. You've never seen that movie? No. Okay. Well, you'll need to do that because I think you'll find it interesting. Plus, there's many, many big names or supporting characters from the 40s and 50s and 30s in this film. Wilford Brimley plays in it, too. Hmm. 
The movie is Cocoon. Cocoon. Yes, 1985. That's where he won an Academy Award. Next person, no audio clue, Kimmy. Just tell me who it is with this clue and how old he is today. Actor, director. One of the roles he is known for, he played Harry Callahan in five Dirty Harry films throughout the 1970s and 80s. Who is he? Clint Eastwood. That's correct. How old is Clint Eastwood today? Um, Within five. 85? You get it. He is 87 today. Next person, musician, singer, did act some, but known for his music. Born 1938, died 2003 at the age of 64. Here's his number one hit on the country charts from 1977. Kimmy, identify who the birthday person is. Take this job and shove it. I ain't working here no more. A woman done left and took all the reason I was working for. You better not try to stand in my way as I'm walking out the door. Take this job and shove it. I ain't working here no more. Kimmy, who is he? You might remember. Well, you never saw the movie Smokey and the Bandit. He's in that, too. He plays opposite of, you know, Burt Reynolds and and Sally Field. Who is he? Johnny Paycheck? Oh, did somebody shout that one out to you? It just popped in my head. You, I maybe must you, have. Well, whoever helped you. Thank uh, you. Yeah. Uh, Johnny Paycheck. Or do you have Johnny Paycheck on your MP3? No, oh, I do uh, your, your final collection? No. Eight track. No. Yeah, you do. I don't have any eight tracks. Okay. By the way, I have that on my MP3 What's player. What's an eight track? Yeah, yeah. Uh, by the way, I have that on my MP3 player, too. Oh, I bet you do. I bet you love it when I put it on shuffle. It's going to be fun. Kimmy. I'll shuffle you out the door. Oh, oh, oh she's being funny. Welcome. Okay, Kimmy, tell me how old this former quarterback is. His name is Joe Namath. How old is Joe Namath today? 72. Joe Namath is 74 today. Next birthday person, Kimmy, please identify who it is. Now, the clue we have is, well, a TV show that they are known for. They were on this show from 1982 till 1988. Here is your audio clue. Identify the show.
Now, to me, it sounds like a 1970s kind of theme, but it's not. It's from 1982 till 1988. Can you identify the TV show? That's familiar, but I can't do it. No, can't do it. Okay, it's Cagney and Lacey. Oh. The actress is Sharon Gless. Tell me how old she is today. 75. You get it, 74. Very good. Moving over to somebody else having a birthday. Tom Berenger, actor, 68 today. Gregory Harrison having a birthday. He is 67, and he's known for the TV show, well, Trapper John M.D. He played Dr. Gonzo Gates. But before that, he was on a TV series very short-lived based on the movie Logan's Run. He played, you know, the title character. Mm. Remember the TV show Logan's Run at all? Mm-mm. You didn't watch it? Mm-mm. I remember avoiding it. It was like it just it, I, it held no interest to me, the, the, the TV show that is. Next person, comedian, actor, Kimmy. Identify who he is. He had a a very short-lived TV show of his own, and he, he has, you know, played second, third banana on other people's shows from time to time. His father was extremely famous in the world of comedy back in the 1950s, late 40s through the 1950s into the 60s. Here is your audio clue. Tell me who the birthday person is, and once you identify him, Tell me how old he is within five years. Hmm. Yeah, very interesting, huh? Now, it's funny. It, it kind of looks like a garage. Oh, yeah, no, I, I think it's actually the garage door over there that gives it that whole garagey feel. <laughs> hmm. Now, that's interesting. Is that me, or does it smell like cars in here? Well, this place has everything. Jeez. <laughs> Well, Gus, in in keeping with my lifetime history of making snap irrational decisions, I'll take the place. (laughs) Let me have the lease, and I'll just put my old Bob Hancock on it. (laughs) Second, Gus, this place is a garage. And don't try to deny it either, because it says garage right here on this little crazy gizmo that you gave me. (laughs) Well, that's great. (laughs) I like it even better. (laughs) Oh, my gosh, you know, this is like a dream come true. Kimmy, can you identify who that is? Mm, now, he I'm... played in a show called Get a Life. He acted opposite Brian Doyle Murray. He moves mm-hmm. into, well, he, he's looking for a place to live. He goes for a room, and he moves into the garage. Yeah, he was kind of a regular on David Letterman, too. That's and, correct. Oh, my gosh. And he actually what had his, his own name? movie. He had his own movie that was in theaters called Cabin Boy. Who is he? Uh, oh, Chris Elliott. That's right. Chris Elliott is who it is. His dad is was uh, Bob Elliott, very famous. How old is Chris Elliott today within five? 60? Chris Elliott, 57. So you get that. You know, he does uh, conventions and circuits oh, wow. and stuff. Man, hint, I, I kind of wish somebody would bring him into the greater Orlando area. Hmm. I think a panel with him would be just fun. Yeah. yeah Chris Elliott. And matter of fact, even Brian Doyle Murray. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think he'd be cool just to hear him talk for mm-hmm. a while. Next person, Kimmy, actress from Back to the Future. She was in all the movies, the three. She is known for uh, her role as Lorraine Baines. Yeah, you know, uh, the mother and stuff. And she also was in a TV series in the 1990s on NBC called Caroline in the City. And she starred opposite of a duck, Howard the Duck, in 1986. She probably wants to forget that. She was in Red Dawn in 84. She was also in All the Right Moves in 1983 and Some Kind of Wonderful in 1987, who is the actress? Um, yep, I know it. You, Let me think. Okay, um, all right. Yes, it's her. I believe she's even been in, in Orlando at some conventions yeah. in the past. Yes. Leah Thompson. That's correct. How old is Leah Thompson today within five? 52. 
She's 56, so you get that. Next person, Kimmy, we're moving over to the, your, your strong part, actually, the world of music. Tell me who this singer is. He has sold over 16 million records worldwide and scored nine U.S. Billboard Top 40 hits. And this just so happens to be one of the hits from 1985. Tell me who the birthday person is. Just a little more time is all we're asking for. Corey Hart. That's correct, Kimmy. Corey Hart. Having a birthday today, how old is Corey Hart within five? 59. He is 55 today, and that song, can you tell me what it was? Which hit it um, was? No. Never Surrender. Was that a top five hit for him? Yeah. It was number three, a very big hit for him. Actually, bigger than Sunglasses at Night. That only charted at number seven in comparison. Really? Yes, really. So, and I didn't ask, see, we didn't use that as a clue because that's oh, too. I, I would have guessed that one was number one. But it was not on the Hot 100. Number hmm. seven, that was number three, Never Surrender. Next person, actress Kimmy. She won the Golden Raspberry Award as a young teenager for being the worst actress in a movie in, a, in the year of 1980, the movie The Blue Lagoon. Who is the birthday person? Brooke Shields. Yes. Brooke Shields having a birthday. How old is she today within five? Uh, 55. She's 52 today. And if you want to see a fun movie, it, it did not do well. Uh, one of the reasons I think it didn't do well is they actually shot it and they shelved it for three or four years. They had to work out legal things and all kinds of stuff to get the movie out. But it has, a, if you like, like the Dick Tracy movie that came out with Warren Beatty, I think you might like this movie. It is uh, Brenda Starr, the you know, comic strip character. She actually plays it in. I just like her in it. She was perfect for that role, for what that movie is, the way it's done. That's from 1989, but technically it was actually filmed in 84 slash going into 86. They actually shelved it. Mm. Yeah. Good luck finding it on DVD. I've actually seen a, a retro TV or movie channel actually run it. Next person, Kimmy, tell me how old this actor is once you identify who he is. He played the villain Bullseye. In the movie Daredevil in 2003, he played in Miami Vice, the film, 2008. He played in Fright Night in 2011 and Total Recall in 2012. He's from Ireland. Tell me who he is. Um, Colin Farrell. That's correct. How old is Colin Farrell today within five? 46. He is 41 today. Moving over to another section of trivia. I see dead people. Notable deaths. No question for you on this one, Kimmy, because I know no, you just won't know who it is. And 1977 is when he passed. That is William Castle. He was a film director, and he he was brilliant in the world of marketing. Matter of fact, he got his start. He was very young, and he was obsessed with films. And he saw the play Dracula with Bela Lugosi. This is before it was shot as a film. And he befriended Lugosi. And Lugosi convinced him to go on the road as an assistant stage manager. He was 15. He quit school mm. and learned everything he could about films and marketing. And that's what he was really known for was promotions and marketing. Brilliant. And the king of B-movies during his day. And he made films like House on Haunted Hill with Vincent Price from 1959. 
the Tingler with Price as well in 1959. And that one, he had gadgets at some select theaters rigged up where some people will say he shocked people, but he did not. What he did was it it rattled the seats, certain seats, and people would freak out. And he did other gimmicks and things like that. Like 13 Ghosts, he had a ghost that would fly through the, the theater on a wire. <laughs> and kids eventually figured that out and they started throwing candy at it and bottles at it and whatever they carried in there trying to hit the ghost. And then he had a movie called Straight Jacket, which if you can see this one now, I didn't see it till just a few years ago, but I was aware of it. So from 1964, it's with Joan Crawford and she does a very good role in this. She plays a, a psychotic scene, which is very intense for its day and still holds up. And as a promotional gimmick, well, one thing they did is they sent Joan Crawford around to select theaters. They didn't open movies all at the same time back then, nationwide. They'd open up like at certain cities and then travel. And one of the things Castle did was he had cardboard axes that were given out to people who came to this film because she's known as a person who killed her husband, beheaded him. And matter of fact, Lee Majors, I think it's his first movie role, is in that movie. He plays her husband when she's younger mm. and she chops his head off in the movie that is where it starts it starts with that in the movie wow and it's it's pretty intense for its day that was from 1964 he also did i saw what you did that was 1964 and he was producer of rosemary's baby he actually owned the rights to rosemary's baby bought it when it was being right right when it was about to be published but the studio said no we don't want you to direct that we want this other guy to direct it so he just produced that. But he's done a lot of films, influenced many, many people. Another person who passed away on this day, 2001, Arlene Francis. She is known for her longstanding role as a panelist on TV game show called What's My Line? Matter of fact, she was on that show for 25 years, Kimmy. Mm. And that was from 1950 through the mid-1970s when they resurrected the show. Next person, 2013. We saw the passing of this actress she is known for playing Edith Bunker on All in the Family. Who is the actress? Jean Stapleton. That's correct. She died at the age of 90, 2013. Kimmy, I think you did a fantastic job with trivia on this Wednesday. And we're going to go back in time right now. We're going to go way back and honor something with trivia or for trivia with the golden age of radio and definitely as part of Way Back Wednesday. Radio was new. Radio, someone still you. And that's O'Reilly and Kimmy Show. Going back in time is what we like to do with the Golden Age of Radio when we have the opportunity, and we do right now an excellent example of the Golden Age of Radio. We talked about Don Amici, born on this date in history in 1908. I thought we would, well, pay tribute to him and honor something from the golden age of radio that he did. We have an excellent example of the theater of the mind, Don Amici in Bordertown from 1939. Little side note here, Cecil B. DeMille, yes, the big Hollywood director, is host, narrator of this old-time radio episode. Going back in time, 1939, Border Town with Don Amici on the Riley and Kimmy Show. From Hollywood, California, the Lux Radio Theater presents Don Amici, Joan Bennett, and Claire Trevor in Border Town.
presents Hollywood. Border Town is the drama of a man's desperate search for power and position, and of the part two women play in his life. Filmed by Warner Brothers, Border Town stars Don Amici, Joan Bennett, and Claire Trevor. H.B. Countenborn, celebrated commentator, is our special guest. Louis Silvers directs our music. And here's the producer of the Lux Radio Theater. Ladies and gentlemen, your host, Mr. Cecil B. DeMille. Greetings from Hollywood, ladies and gentlemen, and my thanks for the many letters that have been coming to me this past week. You may remember that last Monday I answered a woman's question as to how she could show her appreciation of the Lux Radio Theater. My reply was, buy the products behind the Lux Radio Theater, Lux Flakes and Lux Toilet Soap. Many of your letters since then have told me of your loyalty and continuing purchases of these products, both for their own sake and for the sake of the entertainment they make it possible to bring you each Monday night. Thank you for this friendly response. Some 200 miles southeast of Los Angeles, just over the Mexican line, is the border town of our play. In such towns, you'll find many men and women who've chosen to forget the past. One of these men, who fled the world he had known to start life again in a border town, is the subject of our play, which brings a brilliant trio to us. Don Amici, Joan Bennett, and Claire Trevor. No other group of stars more perfectly illustrates the manner in which the entire country has contributed to Hollywood. Wisconsin sent us Don Amici, who started out to study law and became an actor when the leading man in a stock company broke an arm. Don's new 20th Century Fox picture is Hollywood Cavalcade. And recently, for the third successive year, he won the poll conducted by Radio Guide magazine for the best radio actor. This is the same poll in which the Lux Radio Theater was named the best dramatic program. And tonight in Bordertown, we also have the actress who received top honors, Claire Trevor. Miss Trevor's a New York City girl who just completed the universal picture I Stole a Million and tonight plays Mary Rourke. It's hard to say what part of the country Joan Bennett really came from because the Bennett family seldom paused long in any one place. We do know, however, that she was born in New Jersey and inherited her dramatic ability from so many generations of actors that certain humorous historians have asserted that uh, the Bennetts invented the theater. She's here from the Howe Road studio, where she's starring in The Housekeeper's Daughter, and will now be heard as Dale Elwell, while Don Amici is Johnny Ramirez. We head southward for an exciting dramatic adventure as the Lux Radio Theater presents Border Town, starring Don Amici, Joan Bennett, and Claire Trevor. Mexican Quarter in the city of Los Angeles. It's a warm spring night, and in the picturesque plaza, swarthy merchants struggle to entice tourists to their native wares. At the edge of the quarter stands a shabby office building. There are lights on the second floor, where the graduation exercises are being held in the Pacific Night Law School. The hot room is crowded with students and parents, whose faces reveal half a dozen different nationalities. Poverty alone seems to unite them poverty and the booming voice of the guest speaker, the Honorable J. Rufus Barnswell, who is just concluding the final oration to the graduates. Your, uh, <clears throat> your applause should be not for me, but for these young men, for such young men as one whose 
whose history I happen to know. What does he mean? It is Johnny. I I reveal no secret when I say this young man was the tough guy of a tough neighborhood. This boy solved his own problem. Toiling at the hardest manual labor by day, he, he studied by night until his courage and ambition brought him to the point at which he now stands. That young man, my friends, is Johnny Ramirez. Ramirez. Well, you should be very proud of Johnny tonight. Oh, I am, Senor George. And excuse me, he was not bad, boy, Excelencio. Only one little bit wild, maybe. Uh, we have party for Johnny now. We poor people, but uh, maybe you come, eh? Yeah, how about it, Your Honor? Well, uh, I I don't know, Johnny. Uh, Judge Barnswell, if you want to make that other appointment tonight, you'd better hurry. Oh, yes, 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 Dave. Well, good night, Mrs. Ramirez. Adios. And, uh, Johnny. Yes? Don't forget, boy, uh, you're not a lawyer yet. There's still a bar examination, you know, and uh, <laughs> they're making them pretty tough these days. Ah, I'm not scared, Judge. Remember what you said about me? I'm still pretty tough, too. Uh, that's right. Uh, good luck, Johnny. Come on, Dave. Thanks for whew, getting me out of here. You know, this thing sort of got me tonight. Carried away by your own oratory, Judge. You shouldn't be. It's practically the same speech you made at the Sons of Denmark barbecue. Yeah. Just the same. It's it's rather pathetic, you know. They, they ought to stamp out these quack law schools. Why, it's worse than swindling. What chance have these young foreigners got when college graduates with social position, money, and every possible break are starving to death as lawyers? It's better than starving to death as farmers. I wonder. At least they'd be happy. Why should they be educated to want things that they can't have? Educated into unhappiness. You you take that Johnny Ramirez chap. Let's take a cab instead. You're getting me depressed, Judge. Uh, Johnny Ramirez. Kid I once sent to reform school. The padre has something to stand on. A toast to Johnny Ramirez, no? Long life and success and happiness to our young lawyer and host. Johnny will make a speech if he wants to make a speech, eh, Johnny? Well, Mama Sita, maybe I do. Thanks, everybody, and all I've got to say is this. There was a lot of talk at graduation tonight about hard work and study. Sure, it was hard. But look at Abraham Lincoln. He worked hard, didn't he? And he studied nights, too, just like me. Sure, all right. I, do, uh, I, I did, I mean, just like Lincoln. Oh, no. And I'm going to keep on being like Lincoln, too. Oh, no, Johnny. What? Well, what's the matter with that? Not with whiskers, Johnny. <laughs> oh, no. No whiskers, Mama Zita, I promise. Padre. Sit down, Padre. Oh, so good to see you. Thank you, Mrs. Ramirez. Where is Johnny? My fine lawyer. What do you think he do? Come, you look. There is Juanito out in the dirt, planting onions. Out in the dirt, planting onions. Hey, you lawyer Sometimes man. I think that's where he belongs. Oh, you lawyer man, Juanito. The padre comes to see you and you plant onions. Padre? Oh, excuse me. I'll, I'll be right in. No, I'll be right out. That is good work, Johnny. I, I should not interrupt. Well, here is my case. If I win it, padre... A case of 
onions. It goes slowly, eh? Yeah. Doesn't go at all. But I hear you have many clients. Yeah, plenty of clients, but no fees. In the last month, I collected $2. You're helping your own people, Johnny. There's a greater satisfaction in that. Oh, it's not the money I care about, Padre, but I'm, I'm not getting any place. Your chance will come, Johnny. Patience is one of the virtues of our people. Johnny, uh, Johnny you've got to help me. Oh, good day, Padre. Well, you've been hurt. Oh, I just now come from hospital. I come straight to Johnny. Oh, I got mucho trouble, Johnny. Well, what, what happened, Manuel? Oh, this morning I go to market to buy vegetables. I, I go early, you know, three, four o'clock this morning. Oh, Johnny. Uh, I, go on, go on. Well, I, I buy vegetable like every day. I get in my truck to come back. All of a sudden, big, shiny car come around the corner fast like anything, and she's way on the wrong side of the street, Johnny. Well, uh, did it stop? Oh, that's it, Johnny. We both stopped. Bang! My truck, she's all busted up in little pieces. Spinach, tomatoes, everything is all over the street. And me too, Johnny. Well, who, who hit you? Did, did you get the license number? It's very nice lady. She was driving the car. The, the man's not so nice. I think maybe both have a little too much vino. I say, my poor automobile, what I do? Ladies say, here's some money. Man say, no, give him nothing. Then they go away. Someone take me to hospital. Well, did the man see who they were? Did he get their number? I, I don't know. Oh, Johnny, did the lady give me card? She say I sue her. What she mean, Johnny, sue? Uh, where, where's the card? Where? Uh, here. Here, Johnny, you uh, keep. I, I know one card. I, I want poor old truck. Well, Johnny... Dale Elwell, 2021 Bel Air. Oh, that's a classy section. You fix my truck, Johnny, you good mechanic. I'll fix your truck, Manuel, in a courtroom. And if I don't, then I've wasted five years studying law. Dale Elwell, 2021 Bel Air. Father, you wanted to see me? You think you can spare me a moment, Dale? Yes. Oh, one of those moments. Yeah, you usually have a snappier answer than that. Oh, you'll have to forgive me. I still have a head from last night. As your mother mentioned something about it. Well, the funniest thing happened last night. Brooke Manville and I were down in Little Mexico. I know we... all about it. Oh, I get it. Apparently, I've started on the wrong topic. You've started on exactly the right topic. Dale, you're 25 years old. Right now, I'm 125. Don't you think it's about time you quit being the wild young thing just out of school? Tasting life and freedom for the first time and being oh so gay about it all? Oh, Dad, please. All I did was go out with Brooke. We had a good time, and coming home, I ran into some stupid little Mexican's truck. The truck was banged up, I guess, but nobody was hurt. And after all, Brooke's the best lawyer in town, so you say. So what? Only this. That stupid little Mexican was smart enough to get a lawyer. And here, my dear girl, is his telephone number. He's been calling all day. Now, maybe you can settle this out of court. But in any event, I hope you get the licking of your life. Oh, Dale. Dale, don't make me talk to you like this. Good Lord, darling, you, you might have been killed. Oh, I'm sorry, Dad. I just can't seem to, to find myself. You're right. I've got a licking coming to me. Well, I might as well call Brooke first. It'll be fun seeing him take it with me in court. <laughs> continue, Mr. Ramirez. And not only that, Your Honor, but I have also found out that the defendant, Miss Dale Elwell, 
has had so many automobile accidents that no insurance company will accept her as a risk. I object, Your Honor. Objection sustained, Mr. Manville. Well, can't I, can't I state... Mr. Ramirez, the court realizes what the counsel is trying to do. Counsel should realize that this is not a law school and that he should not come before it without proper preparation of his case. Okay, Your Honor, then I'll move on to, to another point. At the time of this accident, the defendant had been drinking. In fact, she was probably kind I of... I object. The allegation so presumptuously advanced by my learned opponent is no part of the complaint. Objection sustained. How can I present my case when he keeps objecting? I object. For two hours you've been objecting to everything I've had to say. Is that your way of being a lawyer, squawking I object like a parrot? I object, if Your Honor, please. Objection sustained. Don't you want to hear the truth? Don't you want to see justice done? Don't you realize that this poor old man's truck was wrecked? He's living taken away by, by a, a spoiled dame who thinks she can get away with the murder just because her old man is rich. What is more important to this court? A lot of legal technicalities or the truth? This court is interested in the truth. But permit me to point out, Mr. Ramirez, that in failing to prepare your case properly, you have failed in your duty to your client. Not only that, but you have been in contempt of court, for which I fine you $25. The court dismisses the case before it because of insufficient evidence. This court will open again at 2 o'clock this afternoon. Clear the courtroom, please. Well, Dale, that's that. You're a free woman again. Thank your lucky stars for a good lawyer. <laughs> and a bad one. Oh, look at him. I feel rather sorry for him, Brooke. He tried so hard. I know. It's tough at that. But there's hundreds of them. They go to some half-baked law school, work like dogs, and when they get through... Wait they... here a minute, Brooke. Oh, Mr. Ramirez. What do you want? Perhaps you won't believe it, but I'd like to help your client get his truck fixed. We didn't come here for pity. Oh, that's not it. You convinced me, you see, even if the judge was stubborn. So please let me... Here, this should cover everything. Oh, that's swell of you after... Well, after I could make you do it. Just a minute, Dale. Don't be a fool. If you give money, you admit responsibility, and you can still bring criminal charges. Would you do that? Of course not. Promise? Sure. As your attorney, Dale, I won't permit it. Don't worry, Brooke. He just said he wouldn't. Dale, what good's a promise from a cheap shyster? He'll be blackmailing you for the rest Listen, of your... Listen, you. You beat me in one kind of fight, but not in this kind. Hey, what do you think you are? Go ahead. Grab that man. Mandel, are you hurt? No, no, I'm not hurt. Ramirez, this is the last time you'll appear in court except as a defendant. Officer. Yes, sir. Will you be good enough to ask the judge of Mr. Ramirez and I may see him in his chambers immediately? Sure. Come on, you. You ain't balling me out just because I smacked this this big windbag. It's just because you don't want a guy like me who comes from where I do to get a break, that's all. It's not what you are or where you come from. It's you, Ramirez. You're a ruffian at heart. You're cheap, brutal. You'd be that in any country in the world. Is that all? That's all. Except that I'm afraid that your legal career is just about ended. You mean... You mean that they disbar me? I'm afraid so, Mr. Ramirez. Oh, but, Judge, listen, please. All, all I did, all I did was lose my temper. That, that, that won't happen again. I, look, I've, I've worked like a dog. I've studied for, for over five years. Please, please, give me, give me a chance. My, my mother will... Gee, Your Honor, don't, don't you understand? I'm sorry, but when the Grievance Committee of the Bar Association asks my opinion, there's only one thing I can do. Good morning, Mr. Ramirez. But why must you leave, Johnny? Why must you go away from your friends? I've been disbarred, Padre. Disbarred? 
Yeah. I got a letter today. It'll look nice hanging next to my diploma. And I... I just came to say goodbye. Oh, I'm sorry for you, Johnny. Where are you going? Oh, I don't know. Down around the border, I guess. Juanito. Perhaps you've sought to get ahead in the wrong direction. You mean trying, trying to be a lawyer? I mean putting gain and glory and false ambition above peace of spirit. You're just trying to tell me in a nice way to go back to digging ditches or being a farm laborer like my father. Your father was a good man, Johnny. And you're a good man, Padre, a good man. But I'm only a man. And I'm going to take from the world what I want from the world. Have patience, Johnny. You may get another chance. You bet you I'll have another chance. But I'll make that chance myself. I'm going to have power, money. You wait. No, Johnny, no. He thought he could insult me, treat me, treat me like a servant, that, that guy Manville. Not because he's a great lawyer, and I'm not, but because his old man's got a million-dollar bankroll. Don't you see, Padre, money, money is what made the difference. And I'm going to get money. Goodbye, Padre. If you can, kind of explain things to my mother. See you, Juanito. Adios. Juanito. Juanito. Hello? See, I am the Padre. Who, please? Miss Elwell? No, senorita. Johnny just left. No, I... I do not know where you could find him. He is going away. No. He did not say, only maybe to the border. Si, senorita. It is too bad. More than you think it is too bad. Don Amici, Joan Bennett, and Claire Trevor. During this short intermission before Act Two, we bring you the Brownings. The family are at their summer cottage on the lake, and we find Mother Browning and Dot in the kitchen clearing up after breakfast. Dot looks up suddenly. Why, Mother, here comes that young Mrs. Smith from down the road. So early. Wonder what's up. Oh, hello there, Mrs. Smith. We're here in the kitchen. Come right in. Oh, good morning, Mrs. Browning. Dot. Hello. Would you mind awfully if I borrowed some soap? I've run out and I've got a dreadful stack of dishes to do. Why, of course. Dot, uh, give Mrs. Smith a cup full of Lux Flakes. That'll last for days. Goodness, you don't use Lux for your dishes, do you? Oh, yes, always. But isn't it expensive? Oh, not at all. You see, it takes only a tiny bit of Lux to make a lot of suds. Oh, but I, I don't... Oh, here, look. I'll pour just a tiny bit of Lux Flakes into the dishpan right now, and you can see for yourself. I'll see all the suds as soon as I turn on the water. My goodness, what a lot of suds. Mm-hmm. Oh, and aren't they lovely? I'd just like to get my hands into them. Mm, they feel grand. Lux is real kind to your hands. Well, I'd like to use Lux for my dishes. But... <laughs> and you can for almost nothing. Let me tell you, you can do your dishes for a whole day with about oh, a penny's worth of Lux. It's silly to bother with slow soaps and harsh soaps that spoil your hands. Good gracious, I should say it is. Well, I'm going to use Lux from now on. Mrs. Browning is right. You need only about a penny's worth of Lux Flakes to do your dishes for a whole day. If the water is hard, a little extra Lux softens it and gives you an abundance of suds. Think of that. A penny a day for your dishes. And think what you're getting. Lux works fast, and it's kind to your hands. Every woman wants pretty hands. 
There is no harmful alkali in Lux to sting or irritate your skin. So when you buy soap for your kitchen, think of the three advantages you get with Lux Flakes. It's speedy, it's thrifty, and it saves your hands. Buy the generous large size box of Lux Flakes for your dishes and other soap and water tasks. And now, here's Mr. DeMille, ready for Act Two. We continue with Border Town, starring Donna Michi as Johnny Ramirez, Joan Bennett as Dale, and Claire Trevor as Mary Rock. A little Mexican town just across the border. It's a busy night at the Silver Slipper, a gambling palace now enjoying a sudden wave of popularity. At one of the tables sits Charlie Rock, the fat and jovial owner of the club. His shrewd eyes survey the crowd, then pause on the figure of his new bouncer, Johnny Ramirez. <laughs> Look at that Johnny work, would you? Day and night. He puts in hours that'll kill a horse. Yeah, what's the matter with him, Nuts? Say, that's the smartest kid that ever worked for me. He's busting with ambition. Keeps telling me how he's going to get rich. Being a bouncer? <laughs> hey, Charlie, hmm? ain't that the missus heading this way? What? Yeah. Well, gee, honey, I didn't expect you here. I'll bet. You look very happy about it, too. Well, uh, I'm tickled to death, only, well, you know, baby, I don't like for you to come to a joint like this. Your joint, isn't it? Well, sure, but even that don't make it a proper place for a lady like you. Well, I can't stick home all day and night. All the fun I get up there is feeding the goldfish, and they only eat once a day. Oh, now, come on, be a good girl and run along home. I won't be very late. Hey, hey, Johnny. Yeah. Ah, good evening, Mrs. Rock. Hello, Johnny. Hey, Johnny, take the missus to her car, will you? Sure. And you be careful driving, honey. And you be careful lapping up that brew. Hmm? Another couple of pounds and it'll take a surveyor to measure you for huh? soup. <laughs> That's rich. Did you get that crack, Johnny? <laughs> Ain't she a riot? <laughs> go on, honey, go on. You're killing me. <laughs> yeah, why not? Come on, Johnny. You know, the real reason I came down was to see you. Yeah. You go out the side door over there. You don't seem impressed. So I'm not as impressionable as I used to be. You're a swell-looking kid, Johnny. I I can't go for you. I know. Thanks. Hey, Jose, get Miss Rock's car. She's oh, in your front oh. Okay, Johnny, if you don't feel like talking, I I can wait. Good night. Hey, Marie. Yes? Nothing. Good night. Everybody out, Johnny? Yeah. Heavy take here tonight. And it's good. Ooh, gee. What's the matter? Ah, it's these teeth of mine again. They're killing me tonight. Now I'm going to run up to L.A. someday and have them all pulled out. That's a good idea. Here, 5,000. That ought to make you feel better. 5,000? Hey, that's great. That's great. I guess I'm a pretty lucky guy, Johnny. Having a girl like Marie for a wife, fixing a swell home for her. Boy, I certainly like a witty dame like her. But not too witty. Huh? Oh, I get it. You mean on account of sometimes she gets lonesome? Well, I'm going to take care of that, too. You know, I got a kind of idea. After I get my choppers yanked out, I'm going to take Marie places, show her things like, uh, like Europe and Paris and things like that. Yeah, she deserves it. Yeah. Want me to ride home with you? Huh? Oh, yeah, yeah, you'd better. I'd hate to get knocked over with this kind of dough on me. You ready? Sure. I'll get you. I'll open the garage door for you, Johnny. Open what door? Say, you don't know nothing, Johnny. Watch this. 
<laughs> Say, the doors open themselves. Automatic garage, huh? Yeah, yeah, it's the latest gag. You see those posts on each side of the driveway? Yeah. That's but... what they call an electric eye. It opens and closes the door just like it got paid for. When you walk out of the garage, you pass this here electric eye and it shuts the door again. Uh, that must have cost quite a chunk, huh? Well, sure. Sure it did. But nothing's too good for Charlie Rourke's wife, see? Nothing. Yeah, yeah, Charlie, that's right. Oh, uh, come on in, Johnny. Say hello to the little woman, huh? Hiya, baby. You wait enough, huh? Yeah, surprised again? Oh, Johnny, check this door in the safe, will you? Okay. Say, uh, honey, as long as you're up and Johnny's here, I'll throw you a mess of flapjacks, huh? And boy, can I make them. Can I, Marie? Boy, can you make flapjacks. <laughs> what a day. What a day. <laughs> stick around, Johnny. Yeah, stick around, Johnny. You, you'll probably be here for hours. Bought a lot of new furniture, hmm? Uh-huh. Pretty swell. Oh, it's not so bad. Why not drop over some afternoon for cocktails? Thanks, but I don't drink. Oh, no bad habits at all. None I can't handle. I wonder. How have you been since I saw you last? You mean tonight? Uh-huh. I'm just the same. I'm just the same, too. Maybe a little more so. Listen, baby. I get this straight. I go for you. I go for you plenty. But Charlie... Oh, Charlie. Being the faithful employee, huh? It ain't because Charlie's my pal. Being pals don't count when there's a dame. But wouldn't I be a prize jump to take a chance of losing my job just when I'm getting ahead, putting, putting aside some dough? So it's money, eh? I'm glad you told me. You bet it's money. And it's going to be a lot of money and all that goes with it. Before I'm through, I'll pile up a roll that'll, that'll make them put out the carpet for me in any bank. And if you think I'm going to risk all that, baby, just to hold hands with some good-looking doll, you're crazy. I think I like your eyes best, Johnny, when, when you're mad like this. Good night, Miss Roy. Uh, like a drink first? Remember? I don't drink. Oh, you seem to be in a big hurry to get out, Johnny. Uh, you're not very complimentary. Mrs. Rourke, that's the best compliment I could pay you. Good night. See my new teeth again? Oh, uh, I'll look at them later when I got more time to enjoy. Huh? Oh, sure, sure. <laughs> Great boy, huh, Marie? Great. You're glad to see me back, ain't you, baby? How do you like my teeth? Yeah, huh? they're beautiful. <laughs> beautiful, that's right. Hey, hey, Johnny! Johnny, send over a couple of gallons of champagne, will you? We're celebrating tonight on account of my new choppers, huh? <laughs> oh, I'm tired. I'm sleepy. You're glad to see me, baby. Yeah, oh, all right, all right. Guess maybe I don't want no more to drink. Oh, I feel awful. Oh, you fat, stupid lug. Johnny! How's he doing? Well, can't you see? Get your coat. I better drive him home. Oh, just take him to the car. I'll drive myself. Okay, come on. <laughs> Come on, come on, get up and walk. Uh, I can't carry in the house. What? Uh, oh, you just go ahead, honey. I'll, I'll catch a little snooze here in the garage. Uh, Best garage in town. It cost me over... Uh, Charlie! Huh? Charlie, wake up, will you? Huh? Oh, you run along, baby. You run along. I'll be right in. Just turn off the motor. Uh, Mustn't let the motor run. Now, just turn off the... Uh, 
murder. Charlie. Charlie, wake up. Mm. Oh, out cold. I ought to leave you here for good. I ought to let the motor run and wash you out, you... Please, Mrs. Rock, I'm not <laughs> questioning you. This is just a formality the police must observe. Well, it's all been so sudden and terrible. He, he'd been drinking, you There see? are sufficient witnesses to that fact? Yeah, now... Oh, hello, Marie. Hello. Your new place already for yeah, business? Yeah, sure, pretty near. Looks swell, huh? Oh, yeah. Lots of luck, Johnny. Oh, thanks, Marie. You've been a big help. I haven't meaning to tell you. Oh, forget it. You've been swell taking care of things these last three months since... Since Charlie... Marie... What's the use kidding ourselves? You know, I... You what, Tommy? You know what I'm talking about. There's nothing to stop me now. Nothing to stop us. You're mine now, Marie. Do you get that? You're mine. Yes, Johnny. Forever. That's a long time. We're going to get married. Because I love you. Because I'll always want you. You won't get tired of me, Johnny. Not as long as I got a bankroll and I got one. I can make my own money. I can help you make more. Johnny! You win, Marie. Yeah, I wonder how it'll seem being married. Hmm? That beautiful place you've got here, Johnny. Glad you like it, Mr. Johnson. The name is Johnny, thanks. Makes the old silver slipper look pretty sick. Yeah, well, that old place is pretty good to me. What's this I hear about you and Marie getting married? Oh, maybe a little later. Uh, Johnny. There's a party out in the foyer. They say they want a table. Tell them to come down next week. Oh, they look the class. A big party. The girl says to tell you the names of Miss Elwell and Mr. Manville. Dale Elwell? Well, I don't know, but she said she knew you. Yeah. Uh, take over here a minute, will you? Hello, Mr. Ramirez. Well, well, a couple of old friends. I forgot to make a reservation. Miss Elwell and Mr. Brooke Manville. We saw your name outside. Yeah, you still want to stay? I suppose we can get a table. Oh, I suppose so, as a special favor to old friends. Hey, Dominique, get that table out of my office. Put it out of, put it down in the corner, will you? Hey, He'll seat you. But I like personal service. Come along, Savage. Savage, huh? It's uh, a pity to waste such grand music. Too busy to dance, Johnny? Dale. Take it easy, counselor. Like dancing, Savage? With you? Sure. Come on. <laughs> dance this well with everybody? 
Well, we just try to please the customers. Oh, so I'm just another customer to you. Oh, no. You know, the last time I saw you, I took a poke at your boyfriend. That threw me into this business where I'm making plenty of dough. And now I see you on the opening night of my place. What you are is good luck. Better not lose track of me, then. Nah, I'm not going to. No more. Hey, Johnny. Yeah, what? Mrs. Walker's here. She's pretty mad. Okay, okay. Uh, uh Miss Alwell, I, I got something to attend to. Uh, excuse me, will you? If you promise me another dance. And she afraid you'll make his honor jealous? Not a bit. I'll be back. Dale. Dale, come and sit down, will you? Amusing, isn't it? That type of thug may not be so amusing if he gets serious. I imagine he could be a little dangerous. If he couldn't, he's going to be an awful disappointment to me. Hello, Marie. I thought you were going to call for me. What's the idea of keeping me waiting for two hours? Well, if you want the truth, I've been so busy with everything, I forgot. Oh, so you forgot. You didn't forget to make a play for that dame I saw you dancing. Yeah? Well, stay around, baby. You'll see me dancing some more right now. Johnny! Hang around, Marie. I'll see you later. I don't see how you could have accomplished all this, Johnny, in such a short time. Just lucky. No. I imagine you get what you go after. Most of the time. I'll bet your wife is proud of you. I'm not married. What? A handsome, successful young man like you not grabbed off yet? Say, look, quit riding me, will you? I'm not riding you. Don't be so self-conscious. You know, I've never been this way before. You you make me feel kind of, kind of dumb. Your only trouble, Johnny, is that you don't know how to play. You work too hard. Well, I guess I could learn. Like me to teach you? Sure, I would. All right. First, you have to relax. It's a lovely night. There's a moon. Soft music. This is really romantic, my boy. Drink it in. Enjoy it. Dale, you're... You're swell. Of course I am. And we're going to have fun together. What's out there? That's a party, oh. Let's, uh... Why not? Come on, Johnny. (laughs) See? You're improving already. Now, don't you feel nice and calm? No. Stoop down a little, and I'll tell you a secret. Neither do I. Dale, I... I, uh... Take it easy. We've got company. We got... Oh. Oh, hello. Hello, Marie. Uh, meet Miss Alwell. This is Mrs. Rourke. How do you do, Miss Alwell? So pleased, Mrs. Rourke. Lovely patio, isn't it? Yeah, I'm glad you like it. Johnny and I planned it for so long. We're really tickled to death with everything. Oh, we. Marie, you... What's the matter, Johnny? Haven't you told Miss Alwell? Yeah, you see, Johnny and I have been sort of... Well, uh, partners for a long time. He does most of the work, and I put up most of the money. That seems fair enough. Yeah, it's worked out very pleasantly so far, in every way. That reminds me, Marie. I've got some business to talk over with you right now. Oh, I didn't mean to break up your little chat. Come on, in the office. What are you trying to do, make a sap out of me? You do all right without my help. Sneaking down there and spying on me. All right, so I'm spying on you. One look at her and one look at you and I've got the whole setup. All in when I'm talking to a lady. Look what wants to talk to ladies. Looks what thinks he's a gentleman. You're a barroom bouncer and you'll always be one. All right, Marie. That's enough. If it wasn't for me, you'd still be rolling the drunks out of the silver slipper. I made you rich. I put those swell clothes on your back. And now, just because you got your neck washed, you think you're a gent. Well, nobody can make you that. You're riffraff, you and I. You belong with me and you'll stay with me. Get that, you'll stay with me. No, I won't, Marie. I found out what I want, and I'm taking it. Chairman, any right to you. You belong to me. I'm holding on to you. I did a lot of things to get you, Johnny. I... I even committed murder. 
sure. Sure, I killed him. I killed him to get you. You killed Johnny? Why, it makes me sick to even look at you. Johnny, where are you going? I want to get away from you, that's all. I don't care where I go, just so I don't have to see or, or look at you. You're rotten. Johnny! Get me the police station. You heard me. I said the police station. Hello, this is Mrs. Rock speaking. Is the commissioner there? We'll tell him to wait. I'm coming right down. Yes, now. Just a minute, senora. Don't understand. He made me kill him. He said he'd kill me if I didn't. I was afraid of him. I had to do it. I... Johnny wanted the money he knew I'd get. Are you willing to sign a confession to the effect... Yes. Yes, I'll sign anything. To the effect that Johnny Ramirez forced you to kill your husband? Yes, I tell you. Yes. Hernandez. See. Get Johnny Ramirez. Make out the warrant. Murder. We pause for station identification. This is the Columbia Broadcasting System. That was Act Two of Border Town, starring Don Amici, Joan Bennett, and Claire Trevor. During this short intermission, we present an internationally famous guest. But first, I want to demonstrate something. I have here a metronome, the kind people use when they practice on the piano. Listen to it now. Now listen to it. Quite a lot faster, isn't it? In fact, it's four times as fast. And that's the difference between Lux Flakes and a cake of soap in your dishpan. Lux dissolves four times as fast. Cake soaps are so slow. Remember, until a soap goes into suds, it can't clean at all. It seems foolish, doesn't it, to wash dishes such an old-fashioned way, especially when you can use Lux for all your dishwashing so inexpensively. And think of this. Lux Flakes are as gentle to your hands as the finest toilet soap. A little Lux goes so far and makes such wonderful suds that it's truly thrifty. Better start using Lux for your breakfast dishes tomorrow morning. Remember, it's speedy, it's safe, and it saves your hands. Here's Mr. DeMille. Tomorrow is the 4th of July, and it's a remarkable 4th. For it was just a few weeks ago that we welcomed joyfully the visit of the monarchs of that country of which we declared our independence 163 years ago. I've asked as our guest of the evening, Mr. H.V. Kaltenborn, who during the last ten eventful years has reported to the people of this continent the happenings of the world over the Columbia network. Three years ago, he was the first man to broadcast from a battlefield when he carried his microphone to a haystack in Spain and described the battle raging about him. Last September, his reporting of the European crisis became a journalistic classic. Because of Mr. Kaltenborn's worldwide experience and vision, he's particularly well qualified to bring home to us the significance of tomorrow's anniversary. The Lux Radio Theater welcomes H.V. Kaltenborn, speaking from New York City. Good evening, everybody. The play to which we are listening reminds us that people from border towns all over the world have found a home in America. And tomorrow, their sons and daughters here in their land of adoption will join in celebrating 
our common heritage of freedom. The 4th of July is the birthday of the United States. It is a happy custom to celebrate birthdays with gifts to the celebrant. Let us therefore pause for a moment and ask ourselves, what gift can I make to my country? What does it need that I can supply? How can I express my thanks for what it gives to me? Surely, every American citizen is now conscious of certain blessings which he enjoys. In Europe, Asia, and Africa, war and rumors of war abound. Throughout most of Europe, national energies are concentrated almost exclusively on preparation for war. The fine arts, the pursuit of knowledge, science, literature, recreation, even religion are subordinated to the state's demand for fighting men and war machines. We too are preparing, but here we are still able to spare time and money for those things that give value and meaning to human life. We can afford leisure to enjoy radio plays and outdoor sports. We have no military conscription, and we are happy to remember that with our good neighbor Canada, we possess the world's longest unfortified frontier. In one year, 1939, we can have two successful world's fairs on our Atlantic and Pacific shores. Best of all, we can still afford the priceless luxury of freedom. We are still strong enough to grant freedom even to those who would use it only to destroy it. But we must be on our guard. There are those among us who despise liberty, even as they use it to achieve their foul ends. Let us mark these men and know them for what they are. They are easily recognized. In a land of religious freedom, they attack freedom for a religion they dislike. In a land of racial tolerance, they are intolerant of every race to which they do not belong. In a land of free speech, they would mob and silence those with whom they disagree. Their number is small, but an easygoing, generous people sometimes permits a rabid minority to assume great power. Let us resolve, therefore, on the birthday of American freedom to conserve that freedom. Each one of us can bring a precious birthday gift to the altar of our country. Whenever and wherever you hear men preach hatred or intolerance, speak out against it. Remember, silence gives consent. It is the right, nay, it is the duty of every American to speak out boldly for the ideals of human freedom whenever and wherever they are challenged. By so doing, we of the new world will keep alight the torch of liberty in the troubled days that lie ahead. We will remember your words, Mr. Kaltenborn, and our freedom here will never know a compromise. In Hollywood again, Donna Michi, Joan Bennett, and Claire Trevor continue in Act Three of Border Town. Three weeks later, arrested for the murder of Charles Rock, Johnny's in the Mexican jail, calmly awaiting trial. He's just finishing a letter to Dale Elwell. Something seems to puzzle him, and he calls a guard. Hey, Pedro, 
Gee, Johnny. Is it uh, okay to say yours sincerely when uh, when you're writing a letter to a lady? I don't write much letter, Johnny. You're much smarter than I. Yeah, I guess you're right. I say so. Don't worry. I'll be out of this and up to see you pretty quick now. Yours sincerely. Now, uh, just Johnny Edson. Yeah, you ride fast, Johnny, all right. Uh, here, here, mail this for me right away. Yeah. Hey, Johnny. Johnny, you got a visitor. Visitor? Uh, uh, American girl? Dark? Young? Uh, very beautiful? All I know is you got a visitor. Okay, call me. Juanito. Oh, mamacita. How how'd you get down here? Oh, Johnny, you no, do not do this. No, no, no. I don't kill anybody, mamacita. You see? That's what I say. Sometimes he bad, but never my Juanito tell lies. Oh, I bet right now. <laughs> it makes you cry and then gets your nose red. Tell me, tell me, how, how's the padre and old Manuel? Oh, I haven't seen them in... Johnny, it... you, you no worry? Me worry about what? Oh, come on, come on now. No more crying. I got a good lawyer. That's funny, huh? And when I get up at the trial and then tell them... Put your honor. Quiet in the court. The prosecuting attorney will continue. And so, your honor, and gentlemen of the jury, the prosecution will prove that Ramirez, by reason of duress and threats, employed this woman, the wife of the murdered man, as ruthlessly as ever a man employed dagger or gun to commit for profit. A brutal, cold-blooded, preconceived murder. Now, with your honor's permission, I call my first witness, Mary Rock. Mrs. Rock, just how long before the death of Charles Rock were you acquainted with the defendant, Johnny Ramirez? Well? Uh, eight months. Where did you first meet him? Is there anything wrong? I repeat, Mrs. Rock, where did you first meet the defendant? <laughs> You will answer the question, please. <laughs> he had so much to live for. I see him. I see him now. He's laughing at me. Every night I've seen him. He tells everybody what I did. No one will let me alone. They stare at me. No! No, no! I did him! I killed him! He was fat! <laughs> fat like a pig! Dead! <laughs> dead! Dead! Your Honor, I move to dismiss this case on the ground that the sole witness for the prosecution, Marie Rourke, is obviously insane. Yes, sir? Johnny Ramirez is the name. Yes, Mr. Ramirez? Now, you've got to memorize. Go tell it to Miss Elwell. Sorry, sir. Miss Elwell is not in. I'm sorry, too, but I don't believe it. Go in and tell her I'm here. Uh, no, no, don't bother. I'll tell her so myself. Yes, but, uh... Johnny, hi, uh... You? Hi, Dale. Gee, you look swell. Johnny, I, I'm so glad to see I you. I just came up from the border. Oh, gee, I've been thinking of you plenty. They gave you a pretty bad time, didn't they? No, oh, the only tough thing about it was that I, I had to break that date with you. Oh, I, I wanted to come down to the trial, but my family... Sure, sure, forget it. Uh, here, I brought you something. Oh, thank you. Johnny... What a beautiful corsage. Corsage? My hat. That's a genuine orchid. Come on, pin it on. Let's get going, huh? What? We're celebrating, Dale, and believe me, have I looked forward to this. Oh, Johnny, <laughs> I, I'm so sorry. I was just leaving. Sure, with me. Oh, really, I can't. I'm on my way to a dinner party. Oh, well, uh, uh, cut me in, and then we'll sneak out early, huh? Oh, I, I couldn't do that. 
It's one of those very stiff and formal affairs. Older people, friends of the family. Oh, all right. Uh, listen, I'll I'll take you there. Hmm? Oh, it's so far, Johnny, it's way past Malibu. Yeah, well, the farther the better. Okay, but we better get started. Come on, Johnny, step on it. I'm nearly an hour late already. And you're going to be later, because here's where we stop. Johnny, I'm not fooling now. I must get to that party. I know, I know, but what I got to say is more important than the dinner party. Honest, it is. All right, what? I love you. That's very sweet of you, dear. When I first saw you that day in court, I... I wouldn't have had the right to say it. I was busted. I didn't amount to nothing. And now I've got dough. Lots of it, and, and plans to make more. All the work and everything was worth it, just to be able to tell you this. That's a lovely compliment. Your class. Real class. Something a guy can love and, and respect. And I do, Dale. I want to marry you. Johnny, you're being romantic, and that's out of character. Listen, I'm serious. You can't be. Why, marriage isn't for us even to talk about. It's for me to talk about. I love you. I'm asking you to marry me. That's out of the question, Johnny. You must understand that. No, I don't understand. Why? Because you belong to a different tribe, Savage. A different tribe, huh? You mean... I mean there's such a thing as equality. Now, please, don't be annoying. Equality? Why didn't you say that the first time I kissed you? You treated me plenty like an equal in. You made a play for me, and because I thought you was decent and swell, I... I believed it meant you loved me. Let go of me, Johnny. Johnny! Oh, I can't hurt you. You you can't feel nothing except some ten-cent thrill that, that, that gives you a kick. And after you have your kick, you think you can wash yourself up by saying you're better than other people. I'm Johnny Ramirez, see, and that stuff don't go with me. Let go of me, you filthy brute. Let well, go. I, I'll let go, but I... Dale, come back. Come back here. Come back. Dale, Dale, I, I won't hurt you. There, there's a car coming. For God's sakes, look out. Dale! Dale! You may see him now, Mrs. Ramirez. Remember, only a moment. See, si, Doctor. Juanito. Oh, hello, hello, Mama. Juanito. How's you feel? Oh, no, not, not so good. How is, so is she, Dale, the girl? Oh, she's, she's fine, gracias. She, she wasn't hurt? No. She says you, you save her. Uh, <laughs> you always, always cry when you see me, Mama. That is no good. Oh, I, I cannot speak so good, Johnny. My eyes speak for me. I've been... been a pretty bad son, Mama. Oh, no, no, Juanito, no, no. You're scared I'm going to die, huh? No, no. You forget what the judge said when... when they made me a lawyer. The toughest kid in the neighborhood. I'm pretty tough yet, Mama. Pretty tough. Mrs. Ramirez, I think... See, see, I... I go now, Juanito. You know, dear God... I don't remember my... my prayers very well. I've been no good. 
But it's all right. Now I know what's wrong. She was right, God. A different tribe. God help me. Johnny Ramirez needs help. Not much, but but a little. I don't want money no more. From now on, all I want is is to be happy. I think I know what that means. Johnny. Dale. Every time you see me, I make a bigger fool of myself. Me praying. Oh, Johnny. I didn't think you you knew how to cry. Neither did I. Thank you for teaching me, Johnny. You're not mad at me? No, Johnny. I'm not mad. You forgive me? Oh, yes, yes. If there was anything to forgive you for... I'm the one. Look. Look, Dale. You marry that Manville guy. He's okay. If he'll have me. You'll come to my opening? You and him together? Another one, Johnny. Oh, much, much better place, Dale. Much bigger, too. Five hundred thousand acres. Yes, Johnny. You need new, new clothes for this one. Overalls. Overalls? Yes. My father was a farmer. He was a pretty good farmer. Maybe I'll be a pretty good farmer, too. We have just heard the last act of Border Town with Donna Michi, John Bennett, and Claire Trevor. In a moment, our stars return to their curtain calls. But first, I'd like to remind you that in the summertime, more than ever, people notice your hands. If they're rough and red, they show up terribly with light-colored summer dresses and short sleeves. They wreck the looks of your costume and cause you embarrassing moments. Now, summer hands are busy hands, and they need special help. Help in the dishpan, for instance. The kind of help you get with Lux Flakes. You wouldn't dream of washing your hands with a harsh kitchen soap, would you? Then why plunge your hands three times a day into a dishpan full of strong suds that sting and bite your skin? That's foolish when Lux Flakes are so gentle, as gentle as the finest toilet soap. They help your hands stay soft and smooth. Lux has none of the harmful alkali found in harsh soaps. And you need only about a penny's worth to do your dishes for a whole day. In hard water, a little extra Lux softens the water and gives an abundance of suds. Just remember, Lux is kind to your hands and kind to your pocketbook. Ask for the large-sized box of Lux Flakes for extra economy. And now, Mr. DeMille with our stars. We ended our play with Johnny Ramirez crossing the border from the land of disillusion into the Valley of Truth. And I want to ask Don Amici, Joan Bennett, and Claire Trevor, just what moral do you draw from Border Town? Well, this, Mr. DeMille. You can't be happy unless you found the thing you really want to do for a living. That goes for cowboys, farmers, and chemists. Is that right, Joan? Actors, too. Mm, I think it's especially true of actors. Was there ever a really good actor or actress who didn't like the work? <laughs> Some actors like acting so much they do it on their own time, too. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like it that much. It's the pleasantest sort of work, though, if you like work. And despite all the jokes about it, I think everyone does. Don't you, Claire? Of course. 
But getting back to that moral of Don's about happiness coming through finding the thing you want to do, isn't it usually by pure accident that you find the right thing? Well, it certainly was with me. When I went to college, the man who made out my registration papers, for no reason at all, put me down as a law student. So I just let it pass. See, I might have been a lawyer through accident. Except for another accident that made me, uh, well, whatever it is I am. <laughs> what kind of an accident made you an actress, Joan? Well, it's never very accidental for a Bennett to get mixed up with acting. Once many years ago, there was a Bennett who quite accidentally did not become an actor. What about you, Claire? Well, a friend of mine went to dramatic school instead of college, so I did too. It was probably an accident that anybody ever hired me. Well, that takes care of us all, except uh, Mr. DeMille. Well, it was just 26 years ago this summer that I had lunch in New York with two young men who, like myself, were almost broke. Their names were Jesse Lasky and Sam Goldwyn. We added up what money we had and decided to make a motion picture. And we made it, about a stone's throw from this stage. And as I understand it, that was the accident that started Hollywood. Well, C.V., it's been a very pleasant evening. Thanks a lot. Yes, thank you. Goodbye. Goodbye. Be careful crossing the street. If you enjoyed that golden age of radio production, be sure to follow the Riley and Kimmy Show. We feature old-time radio shows from time to time. We have archived episodes available right now on our website at RileyandKimmy.com. Some of them have old-time radio episodes on them. Please tell your friends about the Riley and Kimmy Show. Help us grow. Our social media links are available on our website at RileyandKimmy.com. That's R-I-L-E-Y and Kimmy, K-I-M-M-Y.com. If you friend, follow, and like us, we will friend and follow you back. Also, be sure to check out our website, events page, and our social media pages for updates where the Riley and Kimmy show will be appearing next. And we're available for your pop culture event and also those that are animal-based, about pets and animals too. We have a spinoff show called Animal Special. So be sure to tell your friends about us. It's the Riley and Kimmy show, the nerd variety talk show with daily pop culture episodes. The Riley and Kimmy Show. Find archive podcasts of The Riley and Kimmy Show at RileyandKimmy.com.